Welcome back, degenerates of the world. Thank you for tuning in to this installment of the Girls Got Game podcast. My name is Joe Butter. I am your host. And for one night, uh, this is episode five. For the first time, I'm not going to be your solo host for the evening. Um, I do have a guest, but real quick, just want to give you a little quick rundown. Uh, We got the biggest tournament of the year so far. Uh, It's the season's first major, the ANA Inspiration which is really exciting. I know we got a big major coming up, but for now we're going to focus on the LPGA because that's what I'm all about on this show. Uh, We got our first major, um, and to go along with it, we also got our first guest. Uh, It's a guy that I've been talking to now for a couple weeks. We've been kind of going back and forth trying to get um, a a week that we could get on here together and talk some LPGA, and we finally made it happen. Um, I believe it's somebody that you all know, that you guys all follow on Twitter. I'm sure if you're in the golf dfs landscape at all i'm sure you know this gentleman very well so without further ado let's just get straight into it all right and for the first time ever i've been talking about it a little bit for the last couple weeks we finally have a guest we've been we've been talking for a couple weeks trying to get you on but it's we finally made it happen for the first major um you guys all know him from ftn daily i got skylar hoke with me what's going on man Joe, I appreciate you having me, man. This is this is fun. I love I love people that are passionate about you know the game of golf worldwide, and you know what DraftKings has done, adding LPGA, you know, at the end of last year, and now making it a weekly thing, is really cool. So I've loved what you've been able to do um, on the Girls Got Game Pod, and really kind of get this side of the the game grown. So I, I'm excited to talk the first major of the year. Yeah, it's awesome. It, it, shout out to DraftKings. I mean, it's pretty. They're, they've been really cool with the the golf that they've been adding. They've added Corn Ferry and Champions Tour. Um, obviously, the Euro Tour they've had for a while now. But yeah, it's awesome. And and I just got into women's golf kind of last year. Like as their majors were kind of piled into a couple months, just like the men did. Mm-hmm. And you know, I got into it. And I'm like, wow, dude, this is like. It's a lot of fun to watch these girls. Like they're they're just as good as the men are. Oh, one hundred percent. I got a chance. There's um, I live down in Florida, so it would have been what last year they have the Diamond Resort, so the first LPGA event every year, the Tournament of Champions, um, and so they have the celebrities with them. And I've got a chance the last two years to go to that event. And I mean, these girls just stripe it. I mean, it's every fairway, every green. If they make the birdie putt, like that's that's the setup of of what their game is. So it's it's really cool. I mean, you saw NB Park run away with it last week. I mean, these girls got talent. So, I mean, the major, you know, this one, of course, um, you know, might not have as much of the international flavor as like the 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 JLPGA and the Korean LPGA. Like those girls get really heavy in the U.S. Open. It felt like, and some of the, like obviously the the British Open. But I, I'm excited for for this one and getting a, a really good field. Yeah, and and this tournament of champions this, this year but the beginning of january was that was one of the most exciting tournaments i've watched men or women in a yeah. long time oh the quarter yeah that, that well, jessica incredible. won that one yeah that was awesome like that that battle between her and her sister nelly quarter yep. and danielle kang that was just unbelievable that Absolutely. that sunday was awesome and i'm a yankee fan so i got to watch a lot of aaron hicks which was pretty cool for sure for sure um but anyway, let's get right into it. I mean, we got the first major of the year. We obviously know that there's another major coming next week, but we're going to focus on this one for right now. Uh, the ANA Inspiration, which is one of two majors. The the women have five majors, so this is one of two that they actually play on the same course. So course history is actually a thing here, where some of the other majors it won't be. 
Um, from what I've seen, this course generally plays right somewhere between 65 to 6,600 yards, which is basically right just maybe a touch above average for the LPGA Tour, uh, par 72. And, I mean, we've seen some dramatics here. I was watching some highlights. Uh, the, the biggest one I saw was Brittany Lincecum, eagled 18 to win in 2015. So that hole obviously can provide some drama. Um, anything to add about the golf course? Yeah, it seems, um, you know, there's four par fives, obviously the par 72, that you could probably take advantage off of the tee more than some of, I mean, you know, it's different on the men's side of the game. It feels like the best players in the world are the longest guys too. Like it all correlates in that sense where that's not always the case on the ladies' side of things. So I think you can really get after it um, and, and distance will play a factor uh, for this week. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, all the highlights I've seen just show so many dramatics on on this finishing slot. I believe 17 is a part three, um, which – that just adds to it. You know, you got a par three and a par five coming down the stretch. It's it's going to make for some entertaining golf. And then you have Poppy's Pond, right, where they jump in yeah. afterwards. Yeah. I mean, Miriam Lee last year, what, she chipped in three times in the back nine yeah. to, to beat out Brooke Henderson and then, you know, Nelly uh, in that playoff. Like, it was um, that was a wild finish to this one last year. Yeah, that, that I did see the highlights of that one, too. That Like, she was just chipping in from all over the green. Like, yep. I think it was all on the back nine too. For sure. I think it was like three of them. Like, yep. <laughs> yeah. Like just absurd. Um, yeah. All right. So let's get into the pricing. I mean, the pricing is pretty standard. I'm, I'm surprised about the two on the top. Um, so we'll just go, we'll start 10 K and up. There's only five. Uh, we got Jin Young Ko uh, at 11,200. She's the number two player or number one player in the world right now. Um, and NB park at 10, nine, who obviously, Came out strong last week, her first event of the year. Came out one by five. Um, looked like MB Park always looks. Uh, Nelly Cordes at 10-6. Hyo Ju Kim, 10-4. And Danielle Kang at 10-1. What stands out to you about these five women here? Well, I mean, obviously, so I truly believe NB Park might be the best putter on the planet. Like, legitimately just rolls the rock better than anybody else. But when you, like, get into the nitty-gritty of the statistics – you know, I'm somebody that plays a lot of people who just attacks ball strikers, you know, and get somebody who wants distance in their game, who pounds greens and regulation, not, you know, rolling it in from everywhere. So if you really kind of look regarding the top, I mean, even if we mentioned distance too, that's not the name of the game for, for NB at all. You know, she's one of the shorter people on tour. Same thing with HJ Kim, one of the shorter people. So for me, I feel with what I've seen to start the season, I really like Nelly Corda, probably the best of the bunch. I feel like at 10600 getting a very fair price on her, um, what she won the week after she had lost out to her sister, um, and then you know kind of bounced back after a struggling opening round last week, really was much better the final 54 holes. So I feel getting her for under $11,000 would be my favorite of the bunch up there. Yeah, I would... I was surprised that Jin Young Ko was $300 more than NB Park after what she did last week. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she's the number one player in the world. Ko is the number one player in the world, and she's been playing really What's up, everybody? Joe Butter, the editor here. I want to apologize real quick for the abrupt pause in the show. We had a few technical difficulties when we were recording, so we had to switch websites mid-recording. So if there's a issue with the audio, I want to apologize for that uh, in advance, and we'll be back to normal next week as we move forward. But for now, enjoy the show. Thanks for tuning in. 
Envy Park is definitely a player that I'm going to go right back to, um, even though she had that dominating win last week. Um, she's definitely shown that, that she's the type of player that can rattle them off or worst case, you know, come in the top five. She has the history here. She's won here before. Uh, she's had a runner up here and you're getting a little bit of a discount uh, to Jin Young Ko. I'm not sure if it's deserved or not. They, I feel like they're virtually similar considering young Jin Young Ko has been playing a little bit more, you know, the start of the season. Uh, but I mean, Envy Park is one of the best players, you know, probably in LPGA history. And she showed last week she didn't miss a beat, whatever she was doing. Um, you know, those five months that she didn't play, obviously she knows how to keep herself in, in game shape because she didn't miss a beat, came out and just dominated the field again. Um, an additional player that I am intrigued with here is Danielle Kang at 10,100. Um, she hasn't been as sharp with her irons as she was at the Tournament of the Champions, but She's still one of the best putters in the world. Um, and we know that she can get those irons going and she can win. I mean, she won twice last year and she's been playing well. She missed the cut two events ago. I guess it was about four weeks ago um, at the Gamebridge. But since then, she's had back-to-back top tens. And she looked a lot better last week over the weekend than she did, you know, Thursday and Friday. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of intrigued there. Um, the uh, the first few weeks of LPGA DFS was interesting for Kang because I felt all as though, you know, with how great her year was, winning almost back-to-back events to start after the restart, you know, it was like, okay, this is Kang's game. You know, this is this is her MO. She's ball strike. She's longer off the tee. You know, she is just somebody that you can be playing week in and week out. And, you know, it didn't follow through uh kind of that week at Gamebridge, you know, after she'd done so well, the tournament champions, she kind of fell off the map there at Gamebridge in a weaker field, I thought. Um, but then, yeah, you're exactly right. I stuck with her the following week, top 10, you know, that was great to see. So of course, you know, she's a big time player. So I, I loved uh, rooting on Daniel Kang. So I think she makes more sense to me than HJ Kim. And have you had any luck projecting like ownership for LPGA? Like, does it make sense if HJ is going to be like the lowest of the 10 K range? Do you maybe attack her that way? Or do you just kind of go with your gut most weeks? I mean, so I'm, I'm trying to develop like a, my own like custom ownership projection model, but I, I feel like there's, there hasn't been, I've only been doing it since the game bridge. So I only have three events. So it's yep. kind of hard to judge. Like, I don't know how many people are reacting to, you know, where, where players are finishing or like, you know, the DFS players that are playing LPJ may just go with the names that they know for now. And, you know, this, the same players, the Lexi Thompson's, the Brooke Henderson's that have been sitting at 25% may stay there and you can get some of these that I'm not really sure yet. It's kind of hard. I don't know. I kind of, I wanted five events of my little custom built setup that I have before I can really start to figure it out. Um, but I definitely think that, H.J. Kim's going to be the lowest owned in this group. Um, and I, I mean, to be honest, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to, I mean, I'll use that once or twice to, to, to try to take that leverage, but I just like the other players better, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, I, I completely agree. Yeah. And, um, and the other interesting thing to your point of maybe paying attention where, where the ladies are finishing is also DraftKings has not updated, or I, I guess maybe they might've switched at, at, at a time. They had all of the, the, the last year's stats loaded in. Have they changed that on their box scores yet to update the last few weeks? It's funny because I talked about that in, in my episode last week that I okay. wanted them to not fix that 
because yep. I thought I was going to throw so many people off. But it looks like this week they did because I don't I thought, see anybody on I here that I has more than four week. events. Yeah. 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 I actually think it, it might have been post like salaries dropping because yesterday I swear I saw some people with like 12 events in there. So I think it was a recent update because to your exact point you, that you mentioned last week, I mean, it's it, it's a huge advantage that people would look at box scores and see Absolutely. form that's not that's not relevant. Absolutely. And I was like, that was like, I, I spent five minutes talking about that last week because I wanted DraftKings yep. to keep it that way for as long as possible. Uh, Cause there was, there was a couple players that I played last week that were down in the sixes. Um, Leona McGuire being one of them, just throw it out there where she finished fifth at the drive on championship. But the DraftKings said that, you know, she's made five of 13 cuts with no top tens and this, and I'm like, she just finished fifth a week ago. So I'm going to take advantage of her. She, she she ended up making a cut. She didn't really do anything. I think she finished like one over for the week. But like that's the type of thing that I was looking for to take advantage of. And yeah, like like you said, it looks like they fixed it. I don't, I don't know. I don't I don't think I noticed it yes yesterday when the prices first dropped or not. Um, but yeah, looking at it right now, they definitely fixed it because nobody has more than four events listed. Sad. That's where we get our edge. You know. <laughs> exactly. But, there, there's still some edge in pricing. Oh, um, yeah, big time. There, I mean, no one, I think, to depth. I mean, what you're doing, you know, you're bringing the game, you know, for an LPGA DFS podcast. There really isn't much, you know, DFS research going on on the, you know, large scale of things. So it's eliminating a slim part of the edge for those that are just clicking buttons. But still, yeah. the research is so, so valuable that you do each week. Yep. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and get into the 9Ks. Uh, so top off, Lexi Thompson's at 9,900. Say Young Kim, 9-7. Brooke Henderson, 9-5. Lydia Ko, 9-4. So Yeon Ryu, 9-3. I say this every week, but I apologize if I butcher these names. <laughs> uh, Min Ji Lee, 9-2. Jessica Korda, 9-1. And Austin Ernst at the bottom at 9,000. Um, I'll go ahead and start this one. And I know it's going to be chalky. And it's going to be chalky for a reason, but I love Lexi Thompson this week. Um, she's been playing really really well this this season uh she's the only player that has four top 20s um since the tournament champions obviously not everybody played in the tournament champions but she has four top 20s three top 10s and two runner-ups so like she's been right there and she's putting way better than she was last year that's what's been holding her back the last couple seasons where she hasn't won i believe since 2018 and it seems like she's fixed that because she's better than tour average right now in putting and if she can just She's still a little bit wild. I mean, she's one of the longest hitters out there. So, like, for the, the women that are hitting 85% of the fairway, she's never going to be one of those. But if she can just get that up from, you know, the 65 that she's at up around 70, 72, where she was last year, she's going to she's gonna win once or twice this year. Um, and this is a course that she's won before. She's got incredible course history. She's top 10 in five of the last seven years. Um, I, I love that price because, I mean – Again, it's going to be chalky. I wouldn't be surprised if she hits 30%. Um, but it's just a, it's, it's chalk that I'm going to eat. What about you? Yeah, you I like mean, your... Her history, what? Fourth, third, 20th, second, fifth, seventh, first. In the last seven times she's been here. So just, you know, a, a flawless record in the sense. Three top tens in the last four events. Two of them being second places. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Can't really pick apart um, Lexi. I feel like I'm always 
playing Brooke Henderson, you dig into those statistics on Brooke. I mean, we mentioned, you know, hammering greens, being long off the tee. We saw her in the playoff last year here. Um, you know, she's been somewhat frustrating to start the year, I feel like, yeah. from the sense of, you know, a ninth and a tenth are her two best finishes, you know, 16th and 44th. Uh, kind of mixed in there, but overall, I would have loved to see a lot more. She seems like she she has a, a really high birdie rate, yet gets herself into trouble with a with a double or triple per tournament, uh, which is pretty frustrating for those paying that price. But um, I just think she makes a lot of sense too. Yeah, it's, it's and it's funny you say that that she's been frustrating. I I tend to play her a lot. Um, I don't know why. It's just a name that I gravitate to. And it feels like she's been playing, I, I don't want to say bad, but it feels like she's been playing bad. And she has, you know, three top 16 finishes. Like, she's not playing to the level that we expect her to play. But, like, the the stats are there. It's just, like you said, get rid of those big numbers. And she's going to be in the top five every week like she normally is. Okay. And, and one name here that kind of jumped out at me that, I, like, we, we mentioned at the top, Pricing, they can fix the, the game logs in here all they want, but the pricing, they still got a little bit of work to do, which helps us. But Jessica Corda is way too cheap um, for what she's been doing. I mean, only MB Park, who's only played one event, NG Chun and her sister Nelly are the only three players that have a lower scoring average. We saw what she did at the Tournament of Champions. She won that in just dramatic fashion, you know, dropping a 40 foot bomb on, you know, the first playoff hole. And I mean, shot 24 under leading into that. So playing really well, she played poorly at Gamebridge and finished 31st. It wasn't like, you know, she missed a cut. Like that was her struggling. And I think she only had two bad, she had two good rounds, two bad rounds. And then came back and finished eighth at the drive on. And I think she kind of, got a pricing drop because of the fact that she didn't play last week. And a lot of players that kind of started off slow improved last week and, and got back to the top of the leaderboard where we've expected them to be the Jin Young Co's, the Lexi Thompson's up there um, and some other names that I'll come up with throughout the show. But um, Jessica Corda is playing way, way too good to be priced at nine one. Um, and just looking at the DraftKings list, I mean, you it shows the fantasy points per game, basically per event for golf. I mean, right underneath her is Austin Ernst, who's averaged 57 points per tournament. Jessica Court is over 100. Like, it's just absurd, the names that she's around, and, and she just doesn't belong there. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that seems like a lock and load type of situation. Um, I mean, I guess I think after after we'll talk Angie Chun, you know, at 8.9, but I mean, really underneath Corda and, and Chun, I mean, I don't, I don't include Ernst in that group and you can just look at the odds. I mean, odds go 20, 25 and then 55 plus for anybody else on the board. So the right. fact that you're getting golfers, you know, from 9,700 to 8,900 that are pretty interchangeable from the odds perspective you know, that's where I think it makes a, a, a lot of sense to arguably play the, the best in form in regards to Corda and then what we talk about Chun. I mean, to think where we've fallen, I guess, fallen to see Se Young Kim at 9,700 um, 
that is interesting to me. I mean, if you space out her long-term form, I mean, you look over the last, you know, year, year and a half, you would say that, you know, Say Young Kim is arguably, you know, top five in this field. Um, so to get her at 9,700, I feel is, is pretty decent. Although, of course, the recent form isn't to what um, her long-term form is. I mean, her first term at back, I think it was like she hadn't swung a club in five or six weeks. I think that was Gainbridge. Um, and dusted it off like it was no big deal after she snuck on the cut, like on the number and snuck into, you know, a really, really good weekend. And, and so I think Seon Kim would probably be somebody who would be my next interest here. Um, Minji's not bad. I mean, what, she came back and finished fifth last week, right? Yeah. So, yeah, she's someone that I'm intrigued with this week. Okay. Yeah, I could see it. Uh, it's her, I don't know. She looked really good last weekend. The, the big thing that worries me is she's been putting pretty bad. Um, and I don't know how that's going to hold up in, you know, major play. It seems as far as, you know, men's golf, generally speaking, you know, you need to putt to win a major. Um, I haven't watched many women's majors. I watched the last two last year. And like, it seems like it's that same thing. And that kind of concerns me, but she did finish in seventh place here last year. So maybe it's, you know, going back to somewhere you're comfortable. I don't know. Um, it's, it's definitely someone that I'm interested. She looked good last week and she's priced very reasonably. Yeah. I mean, and I'm a huge fan of her brother, Min Woo, uh, Min Woo Lee over on the European tour. I mean, if you stretch out long-term and, and kind of look at Minji's stats, so if you go, just say, since the restart, you know, Minji would put herself a little bit better um, than the field average on point or putts per green and regulation. And again, this is the thing, um, you know, we're dealing with traditional stats. Yeah. Ladies game. So as much as we, you know, obsess over strokes gain for the guy side of things, we're we're really working off of traditional tournament by tournament statistics, which is kind of taking us back a few years, you know, to what our, our PGA research used to be at the beginning of time, you know? So um, it's, it's hard to put the tea leaves together when I'm, you know, referencing putts per green and regulation, you right. know, it, it, she's sticking it to eight feet and, and two putting from there versus somebody that's, you know, putting it to 40 feet and two putting from there that's a big difference, you know? So right. it's hard to read through the tea leaves on, on these putting numbers, but long-term, I feel like I would trust her enough on the green. She would be my next interest as well in this range. Okay. Any, anybody in this range that you're completely fading? I mean, we didn't even mention Lydia Ko, um, who's, uh, I guess they're, this, this one, we've got a lot of popular names with, with Thompson and Henderson, but I mean, Lydia Ko is someone that everybody knows. Um, so even the casual player is going to see that name and, and see the 9,400 and say, wow, isn't she the best player in the world? Well, you know, three years ago she was, um, yeah. but what, what are you doing with Co this week? It's always crazy to me that she's only like 23 years old, you know, <laughs> yeah. I feel like she's been around the game for just so long. Um, I would probably lean the side of fading. I mean, this is the thing, like. I think the max you can do is 35 lineups this week um, in the $10. Mm -hmm. So at some point, you know, even with 150, I like to make a tighter player pool, um, you know, so I don't see myself playing six or seven ladies in the nine Ks. It's just not the way about it. So I think I would probably, I guess if I'm picking my, my fade between co 
um, and Ryu. I would fade Ryu first of this range, um, and then Ko probably second, um, and then be interested in the other three that we've mentioned. I'm doing the exact same thing. Um, right. I put Ko in one or two just because I, I felt obligated to, but um, and I don't think she's going to play poorly. I, I just think that some of these other players are going to play better. It's yep. not that I think she's going to go out and miss the cut. I just think, you know, if she comes in 22nd, then you're, you're going to get better value elsewhere. Yep. Yep. And I guess the biggest 9K fade for me would be Austin Earns. I think she's priced way too high. Yeah. She had a great victory, of course, you know, took a deep that week. But um, overall, I, I don't see myself paying $9,000 for her. No. I mean, she's priced there just because of the win. I mean, there's, yep. there's, there's no reason for her to be sandwiched in between the names that she's mixing with. No. And I think the lock of the tournament is the next one. And I'll let you, you talk about because you had to go through the roller coaster of what happened to her last week. Oh, man, that was so aggravating. Um, so, yeah, let me, let me read the names off first. Um, so, NG Chun, 8,900. Aria Jitanagarn, 8-8. Charlie Hulls, 8-7. Oh, look at that. We got one of each. Um, Carlota Saganda, 8-6. Jungun Lee, 6, 8-5. Amy Olsen, 8-4. Stacey Lewis, 8-3. Jennifer Kupcho, 8-2. Sophia Popov, 8-1. And then Maria Jitanagarn and Al Ewing at 8,000 evens. So basically one player per price point. Um, and Inji Chun, I, I do think she's priced too low. Um, she arguably between her and Nelly Corder playing the best overall over the course of four events. Um, going into last week, she was the only player that had three straight top tens and I was peppering it everywhere. I wrote about it. I talked about it. I tweeted about it. I, I thought she was going to win the event and the news came out later that evening that she, I guess, neglected to sign her scorecard, which I mean, it's a rule. We all know it's a rule. It, it's kind of silly. I mean, it, it is what it is. But she was right in the thick of things. Like she was five under, she was four back apart, and everybody played well over the weekend. So I'm fully convinced that she would have probably come in second because I felt like she could have got within that five stroke, you know, window that Park built. But priced at 8900, and she didn't do anything wrong last week. She just on on the golf course, her issue was, you know, scoring table wise. So I'm going right back to it. Um, it was very frustrating last week because it hurt. I pretty much had her in every single lineup I created, um, and it, it hurt. But I'm, hopefully it hurt other people too, and they're going to get off of it, but I'm going right back to her. Yeah, I mean, if she would have came in with a second-place finish, she's probably $1,000 more expensive. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the difference in what the week is. So I think she is with the Cordas, I mean, specifically more Jessica than Nelly, just the biggest misprices of the week. So, and it's going to, I mean, it should seem obvious that they're the the two highest owned, you know, with Lexi, um, you know, and maybe even so more Lexi than Jessica. But, um, I mean, Inji Chun, just that, that seems to me my highest exposure to the week. Yep. I mean, she used to be in like the sixes at the tournament champions too. Like her run has been really, really strong. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Arya Jutanagarn right below her. I really like that play, too. Um, last week was her first event, so that may help a little bit for people not really getting into it. I mean, she's more of a well-known name than some of these others. Like, she was a player that I knew before I really started diving into the LPGA. I didn't know the extent of what she 
had done, but I, I recognized the name. Uh, but she came in 21st last week, was, you know, trying to shake off a little bit of rust. And I did some research going back, you know, five, six majors, five, six years worth of majors just to see, you know, who's steadily in the top 20, just like, because we know with the PGA, like when you get to a major, there's a select few guys that really continuously compete. Um, so I figured that would probably be the case with the women. And that was a name that popped up very, very often. Um, so at 8-8, eight, eight, I mean, I'm playing her. I mean, I have some lineups that I started, just like you said, Jessica Korda, Inji Chun, and, and Jitanagar, Pepper right there in the 9Ks. And you don't even have to go down into the sixes. Like you can get a couple sevens and then, you know, have a pretty balanced lineup with some really high upside. Did she um, use a driver last week? So like Aria used to never use a driver, like doesn't have a driver in the bag. And then practice wise over the winter, apparently she, she put one in play. I don't know if she ended up using one last week. I didn't know that. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't pay enough attention to, I mean, I just, I assume she did, but I guess I didn't, didn't even pay attention to that. I didn't yeah, know that no, was I mean, that she didn't do. Yeah. It's crazy for that. And, and she's like, not even like she's, she's field average normally, I think for, for driving distance, but yeah. you know, and that's with a three wood, which is um, pretty crazy to say. So um, no, I mean, she, she's nails. I mean, I, I used to, uh, you know, follow again to your point, just kind of a, a fringe LPGA fan in the years past. I mean, it was probably more four or five years ago where she was at kind of a top of her game, kind of went to low, came back to where she is now. Um, yeah, I can, I can get behind playing Aria, the one, she's more of a, um, I think a U.S. Open slayer um, is Saganda. Saganda's record in the like U.S. Opens when conditions get really difficult, she kind of really, really comes to play. Um, so I played her in that that major to end out the LPGA season quite a bit. She's been up and down um, so far to kind of I guess start the the 2021 season. Um, the, the one I think that makes the most sense of been form that I've been playing. That's also a ball striker. That's really long off the tee who I think has, you know, really, really long-term talent is Jennifer cup. Joe, I mean, at 8,200, I mean, she finished second to Ernst, um, and both of them took it really, really low, um, that week. I mean, I think cup Joe got to 15 before she, she fell back 15 under, um, but 8,200 for her is probably my my next favorite play in this range. Yeah, I had a 70 to 1 ticket on her that week, so yeah. And and my I mean my dreams were crushed pretty early. I mean, Ernst just took off, you know, the first seven holes on Sunday. So it was it wasn't like a sweat down the stretch, but no. Nope. Uh, it was a fun first 3 and a quarter days. Uh, yep. but yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I played her a lot last week at hurt cuz she missed the cut obviously, but uh her ball striking last week was incredible. She putted horribly so i think she had 70 putts over the over the first two days and that's just atrocious for a professional golfer um so all you gotta do is clean that up a little bit and i don't see why she shouldn't i mean that's as far as i know that's the worst week she's had in you know the the last nine events that i've kind of been tracking stat wise uh i feel like there's no reason why that can't come back to the mean or at least get a little bit better i mean i think she missed it i think she shot four over. So she only missed a cup by one. And I mean, 70 pots, all you gotta do is cut out two of those. It's not yep. that and hard. No, 
no. And and missing a cut's not the end of the world either. You know what I mean? Like that's I, I'm okay with it. I hope maybe that brings a little people off a little that's bit. That's what I'm saying. I, the game logs. Exactly. Some of these missed cuts I like. Give, give mm-hmm. me give me some. I, I like that in Chun. I, I I didn't like that she got disqualified last week, but now I do because <laughs> her price yep. dropped, you know, eight hundred or more. Um, yep. yeah. Yeah. That's the thing with the books with Chun is she's still like twenty eight to one. You know, mm-hmm. so deservedly they they didn't forget about it, but DraftKings in a sense uh, gave us an opportunity again. Yep. Um, another person I am intrigued with, and I think she might be priced a little bit too high, but she's been playing really well. And she has a really strong history here, Stacy Lewis. Um, the only problem is I know that the ownership is probably going to be high because everybody knows who she is. She's American. Just everybody's going to probably gravitate to that name, which is why I wish that we could have better ownership projections. But as of right now, I'm, I'm not real confident with what I've come up with. I'm, I'm waiting a little bit. But, I mean, she has two top tens in her last three tournaments. She's won this tournament before. She has a runner-up. She came in fifth last year. Um, so she knows how to play this golf course uh, at Mission Hills. And I don't know. She's been. I've been fading her and fading her this year just because I've been thinking that she's kind of beyond her prime. But I don't know. Every week she just decides to show me up, and she's you know playing really well. Yeah, and it started with almost that home game for her at the U.S. Open where uh, she got in the mix a little bit there. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I can't fault you for, for playing Stacy Lewis. Um, any interest in Lee Six, former major winner last, what, two years ago? No. Um, no, her, her recent form is just she's been playing very poorly. Um, which is odd because I, I think she missed a cut last week, but up until then she had made every cut, at least this yep. season, the first two. Um, but it was, you know, she was outside the top 50, not playing particularly well. And I don't know, that's, it's a price thing. If she was at 7,500, I'd be, I'd be intrigued with, you know, her ability to play in majors that she's shown as a major winner and she's done it for a few years, but I don't know that, that price and, and the recent form, there's just better options to me. Yeah, I think I, I lean with you as well there. Um, I mean, Amy Olson, you know, I mean, she was the story of the U.S. Open, you know, with kind of her run she made and the unfortunate passing of her father-in-law on mm-hmm. a Sunday evening. You know, that was that was really, really hard for her to tee it up and do what she did that, yeah. on that Monday. I mean, that was pretty unbelievable. Um, but, yeah. yeah, so Amy's been in okay form. Um probably a little bit too priced out for me still here, but, um, had to, had to mention her too. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've sprinkled her in a few lineups. Um, yeah, like you said, what she did at that, I mean, take away a limb Kim, just throwing darts, you know, I think it was four, three or four holes in a row down the stretch, like 15, 16, yep. 17, 18, like yep. just went, Hey, on a, on a course that nobody was making birdies. Yep. Like that, that Sunday was just brutal for these players and Aileen Kim just got it done. But outside of that, I mean, Amy Olson was leading the entire day on Sunday, um, yep. dealing with what she had to deal with and, you know, those conditions. And yeah, I mean, I'm playing her. I, I, I became a fan because of, you know, that week. Um, sure. So I, I play her more often than not just because of it's, it's just somebody that I like watching. Um, I, I am going to play a little bit of Sophia Popoff. At eight one, yep. she's 
been playing really well. She was right up there last week. She she didn't play very well over the weekend. Um, it just seems like she always has that one bad round that prevents her from really making a, a big run or winning. I mean, she won the British Open last year, the Women's British last year, uh, which gave her, you know, tour status and, and kind of lifted some weight off of her shoulders. Like she she talked about, I was listening to her on another podcast she featured on, and she was talking about she, she was like on the verge of quitting golf. Won that golf tournament, got tour status, and now, you know, she's been playing really well. Um, she's got two top tens this year. Last week she was in, in the top five going into the weekend, and then she, you know, fell down to 20th. But I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to play a little bit of her, too. Yeah, that was probably, I mean, the under-the-radar best story of golf in 2020. You know what I mean, yeah. Glenn? To be on the verge of quitting, to be caddying on the Symmetra, you know, or on the LPGA, then playing the Symmetra and making her way. Like, that was really, really cool for pop-off. And she's continued it. You know, that's... That's where, um, you know, kind of still figuring out, you know, at times, you know, playing the European tour, of course, but also uh, playing Corn Ferry DFS, like long-term form sometimes isn't as relative um, in those where it's just so week to week, the variance is so high. You know, with the ladies comparing it more to the PGA, if you based off that long-term form, you're probably better off more often than not. And, and Popov just flipped a switch, man. I mean, she just, you know, with that win, has now put herself in a way higher echelon to mm. what we knew of her in the past, obviously, as a fringe professional LPGA player. So, um, cheers on her. Don't mind that play in the eights. Um, and, I mean, yeah, it's, I guess fading. Do you have anyone for sure that you're not playing in the eights then? Um, well, I, we, we talked about Jungmin Lee Six. I'm not playing her. Yes, you're um, right. You're right. Yep. And um, other than that, I mean, not really any heavy fades. I mean, I'm, I didn't have any Maria Gitanagarn just because, I don't know, she hasn't done enough. I mean, she's only played once this year, last week. Um, and I don't know. There's just – it's more the fact that the other players around her I'm just more interested in. Yeah. Yep. I, I could feel – I mean, I, I guess Gitanagarn, uh, Mariah – does pepper the greens she's very very short off the tee however um i mean you saw her at the u.s open too being in that mix where you know it was a longer iron into most of those holes um so yeah i I probably am am not in love with her i don't think i'd be fading her as much as probably lee six to your point but um i think the sevens it's kind of wild i guess really open from where you can go in the sevens yeah all right so Good transition. Let's get right into the sevens. Um, I'll just rattle off these names real quick because there's quite a few. Um, Jenny Shin, Amy Yang, both at 7-9. Nasa Hataoka, Hannah Green, 7-8. Cheyenne Knight and Mel Reed at 7-7. Aileen Kim and Megan Kang at 7-6. Anna Norquist, Sung Hyun Park, Brittany Altamir, 7-5. Georgia Hall, Marina Alex, Shan Shan Fang, 7-4. Gabby Lopez, Jennifer Song, Jody Ewart, 7-3. Emily Peterson, Caroline Masson, Hanaku Shibuno, Leona McGuire at 7-2. Lizette Salas, Mijung Her, Un Hee Ji, Brittany Lincecum at 7-1. And yeah, let me know, Miram Lee, your defending champion, and Yu Lu at 7,000. Oh, and Kristen Gilman at 7,000. So now we're getting into the bigger ranges. Um, I'll let you start it off. Who's your favorite play in this range? 
I mean, it's tough because I feel, I swear to you, every week, Brittany Lincecum and Anna Norquist end up getting, like, significant higher ownership than, than I feel like they should. Yeah. But if you look at, again, greens and regulation, if you look at distance off the tee, both of them seem to be, um, you know, a, a just strong ball striker. So, I mean, Lincecum, two-time champ here. As you mentioned before, with an electric win she had in 2015. Um, so to get her 7,100 for the birdies she does make, that's one thing I've been trying to get a grasp on that's a little bit difficult to do is, I mean, you mentioned it earlier with the vast differences that you saw in, I think it was Jessica Corder versus Austin Ernst's DraftKings prices. Uh, I mean, not DraftKings prices, DraftKings scoring points. Mm-hmm. So I've been kind of trying to wait and look into uh, kind of DraftKings points relative to the field and kind of see how they do on a longer term. And that spits out Jenny Shin as number one in this range at 7,900. And then the next one, again, you can only get these stats on the LPGA where they're giving us the birdies and bogeys and eagles yeah. and stuff per round. I guess they do it on the ladies European tour too, but you don't see too much crossover this event. Cause the next one is, uh, you know, the next two actually are, are mainly just because of the major performances we saw to Shibuno and a Lim Kim. Um, so I feel like though 7,200, just for what we've now seen out of two electric, uh, you know, major performances out of smiling Cinderella, you know, out of Shibuno, I- I'm pretty intrigued to her at 7,200. Yeah. She's very interesting. Um, like you said, from what we've seen from, you know, major performances, I mean, it's obviously that the prestige of the event isn't going to phase her. Um, where, you know, some of these younger players, like we've seen with the men, like it, it takes a little while to get used to playing under, under this pressure. And obviously, you know, these, the purses for the majors are, are more life-changing than, you know, some of these regular events that they have where, you know, the winners sometimes only get like, you know, 150,000. I say, I say only relative to what the men get. I mean, I'll take 150,000 every day. <laughs> yeah. Relative to, you know, Billy Horschel taking home 1.8 million yesterday or yep. Sunday. Um, you know, this, it, it's a lot more money on the line. So want to find the players that can play under pressure and we know the Shibuno can. Uh, you mentioned Jenny Shin. She's actually my favorite play in this range. Um, she, and I don't think she's going to be very highly owned at, at all. Um, unless, like you said, maybe people are doing a little bit more research than we think they are. Um, I personally don't because it's just, I don't know. I feel like if people are going to do the research for golf, they're going to, they're going to focus on the men, um, which is kind of what I was hoping, you know, getting this podcast launched was one, we can open the audience and broaden the audience. And, and two, we can, you know, find a select group of people that, you know, want to listen to me talk, listen to us talk today that, you know, can take advantage of that. I mean, she was only two and a half percent on last week. Um, and, and she's been playing really, really well. Uh, she came in, she was 25th overall in, in the custom model that I built. Um, and I'm not exactly sure how many players were priced to, Actually, I lied. I have it. I have it ranked by uh, pricing. Let me refresh this. She was sorry for the pause here. She was 17th in my model. Um, nice. So that shows you that she was, you know, nine spots above, eight spots above where her price is. So you're getting some value there. She should be, you know, in the mid eights. Um, and she's one of a select group of players that are 
better than tour average in all the five major stats and scoring driving fairways greens and putting she's better than tour average in all five and you're getting her at 7900 and I, I just think that's a bargain and on top of that she has you know she came in 12th last week she came in eighth of the game bridge so she's got two top 12 finishes for someone that's priced under ak again I, I just think that's such great value for where you're at and looking at the names around her the like those stats just jumped out at me yeah yep i mean uh, i completely agree um whether you're just in there i mean even the history there i guess the one is the one that i'm contemplating a little bit that i feel her last three events aren't reflective of what the long-term form is is paying 7800 a hundred dollars left there for nasa hot i'm terrible with pronunciations hot um, NASA, though, I, I feel like she's kind of, if you want to take a shot on somebody who has probably better talent than those around her, but is just priced there, did a little bit of recent form and being slow out of the gates, um, I'm intrigued there. Yeah, and, and to your point, she's probably priced where she should be. Like, she's better than, you know, the average player long term, so she shouldn't be down in the sixes, but with given her recent form, you know, she she probably would normally be, you know, around a $9,000 player if, you know, this, the start to the season wasn't so bad. Yeah. The best in form, um, I guess, if you look at what, there's four events since the start of the LPGA, someone who has three top 25s, that top five at the tournament of champions. So, you know, one event last year, I feel like I haven't really played her yet um, all that much because from a uh, just a statistic standpoint, I don't feel like they stand out too greatly. But Cheyenne Knight has sneakily, you know, been in decent form. Yeah, she's been playing very well. She's one of my favorites in this group also. Um, I bet her last week uh, just kind of as more of a long shot. I think I think I got her at 70 to one last week. Okay. Um, she never really threatened it, but she played well. She came and I think it was 21st. Um, so, she, you know, it's a good finish. Like she's not playing poorly and, you know, just like you said, recent form among players in this range, it kind of stands out. She, she may not have, you know, the long-term form as, you know, the Nasa Hatoka or, um, Georgia Hall, some of these other, I don't even think I mentioned her in the beginning, but. Georgia Hall, but that recent form, she's been playing very, very well. She she's made every cut. She has you know three top twenty fives, like you said. Like it's I, Jenny Shin and Cheyenne Knight were my two favorites in this range going in. Yeah, I, uh, I think those make a lot of sense. Um, from that, I'm trying to see anybody in the low sevens. Um, I really was trying to, to will like we do for the. European tour golfers when they get their chance, like we saw Victor Perez and Robert McIntyre um, over the, the past weekend do so well on the WGC match play. Emily Christine Peterson had that stretch last fall on the European tour, one back-to-back events, I think almost three in a row at one point. Um, she just hasn't translated over to the PGA tour, unfortunately. Um, so I, I don't see myself getting there. How about the low sevens? Are you are you falling for anyone there? Um, not really, to be honest with you, because there's a couple people in the high sixes that I like. Um, yep. That I'm gonna end up playing more of. Um, 
Emily Peterson is interesting that you mentioned that because I couldn't really find a whole lot to go off of her on the LPGA tour. So I wasn't sure if she was like permanently in a European player or what. It seems like she only comes over for the majors. Um, but she's played well. I mean, the two that I see, she looks like she missed the cut at the U.S. Women's Open, but she came in 11th at the British Open, which, you know, on her home turf yep. uh, makes sense. But I didn't really have any info off her, so I'm glad you could shed a little bit of light on that. Um, what, what are you doing with Miriam Lee? I mean, she's the defending champion. I mean, how often do you see a defending major champion priced at 7000 Crazy, because uh, you looked at her. So she won at 600 to one last year, which is just bonkers for a major winner. I mean, the LPGA does definitely see longer shot winners in the mm. majors than the men's do, which makes it even more fun, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm all about, you know, long shots and kind of seeing where we could. But, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, what, 56 last week for her was her first time playing back of the season. Yeah. Hadn't even top 10 the previous uh, ANA in the past. <sighs> If it's too obvious that people maybe would go back to her because she won last year, she deserves to be priced where she is, in my opinion. I mean, yeah. like, what uh, I think the other one that I would almost put into that same category that I can't figure out either, I think she's 7,200, is, is Shang Chung Fang, um, who has, like, no form recently either. Um so I think maybe it's a little bit more of a stretch compared to last year's winner, but I'd probably not be going back to Miriam Lee. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not. I didn't realize she was 600 to one. That's incredible. Crazy. Um, yeah. That's yeah. That's unbelievable. But um, yeah, Shan Shan Fang, like you said, she hasn't. I don't think she's played this year. Nope. Um, and. But when I was going back and looking through, you know, previous majors, it, it was a name that popped up a lot. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I might throw her in there just because maybe down here she's got more major credibility than, you know, some of these other players, even if we don't really have any recent information to go off of. Yep. Yep. I could get behind that. I'm trying to see. Uh, I was a little disappointed last week on what she did. But again, if you don't want to rule, if you want to rule out just one week. Um, I'm a fan of uh, Yu Lee um, at 7K flat. I mean, she had back-to-back top 20s there before the missed cut. She also 22nd and 21st the previous two years of this tournament. Um, hasn't seen much ownership. Was you know very cheap the last couple of events. So I'm uh, I'm into Yu Lee um, as well as I just want so much more from Yelimino at 7K as well. Like, she was right in the thick of things at the U.S. Open before she shot about an 80 on that Sunday and those wicked, on that Monday in those really, really cold conditions. Um, and hasn't really shown out all that much since. But in MME, which I plan on, plan on you know, being in for that $10 this week, um, I think No and, and Lee are, are uh, Liu, I don't know exactly how to pronounce that one, are, are two of my favorites in the low sevens. Yeah, I can definitely get with you on Liu. Uh, Liu. Yuli, um, she was someone that I was playing beforehand. Uh, yep. I didn't play last week, just not had anything to do with, I just didn't think she was going to play well. I, I definitely didn't expect she was going to miss the cut after what she did previously, but I just, there was other players that, you know, I talked about that I loved a lot last week, so I didn't play her, but I, I've been, I played her the week before and it 
and it paid off. And I mean, I'll, I'll definitely sprinkle her in a couple. Yeah, right. she makes sense. Yeah, and I, I mean, to your point, even the six Ks. I mean, I know you know you're not going to read off every single one of them, but there's a lot of I think you know strong plays in the sixes as well. Yeah, there's there's one at six flat that I'm playing. Ooh, and there we go. Okay. There's there's one at six flat that I really like. Um, so like you said, I'm not going to read them off. Um, I'll go ahead and start with one that I just want to talk about because I was. I made 11 lineups last week. I played her in all 11, and she just destroyed me with Patty Tavitanikit, who's priced at 6-7. I still think she's priced too low, even though she's coming off a missed cut. I mean, she was four under through seven on Thursday, playing really well, and then struggled a little bit down the stretch. Um, on Thursday, I think she shot two one under. She ended up shooting one under and then just exploded on, on Friday. I think she shot like 42 on the back nine. Had had a couple triples, like it was just a disaster on Sunday, on Friday. But she she had a fifth and a fourteenth coming into it, and she's placed. I don't remember which major it was. I'm trying to find it now, but she placed in the top ten in a major as an amateur um, a couple years ago. But I can't. I had the notes written somewhere. I don't remember which one it was. It wasn't the A and A, but there was a major where she she placed as a as an amateur, which is good to see. Like it, the the stage wasn't too bright for her at that time. And she's coming in on really good form. Not last week, notwithstanding, but on, on Thursday specifically, it was a putting issue. Um, Friday, I'm not really sure what happened. There wasn't, she didn't get any air time. So I, I couldn't see anything with other than just looking at her scorecard. But I'm, I'm going to play her again because I, I just think she's too good to be priced. That's six seven. Yeah, Eight. no, I, I feel like she she does definitely make a lot of sense. Uh, I mean, if you look at those recent rounds for her, to your point, I mean, seventy one wasn't even a bad score, one under par for that opening. Um, you know, seventy one, seventy sixty nine. She struggled on that previous Sunday at the drive on, which ended up you know shooting seventy six to finish fourteenth, or she would have had easily back to back top tens. So, yeah, I think she's very sharp going back to her. Who's your favorite play here? Um, I, I think the, the one that I'm intrigued the most at is Gabby Ruffles. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think the world of her as the amateur talent, I mean, for those that follow the amateur game, Gabby Ruffles' career, her brother plays in the Corn Ferry Tour, was one of the most decorated uh, amateurs coming out a few years past, uh, kind of made some noise in some of these first OWGR kind of starts, um, and then now is kind of rising up the ranks on the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, so Ryan Ruffles, but Gabby was elite tennis player growing up, transitioned into the game of golf later in her teen years, and comes out to be a top two amateur basically in the world you know took uh rosang to the brink last year um in the the 2020 u.s amateurs so i'm a big fan of her and her best performances have come in major she finished 15th at this event last year this, this is 20 minutes from her hometown so familiar in mission hill so i am really really big into gabby rebels at 6600 i like that i like that i, I had her in a couple um lineups that i created already um, I also right above her six seven Ryan O'Toole. I like that one too. Um, she's not doing anything real flashy, but 
24, 36. So it's right in that, you know, top 25 range. And, um, you know, price at six, seven, like you're getting a, you know, a top 30 player that's playing really consistently. It's not like she's got a 24th, a miscut, a 32nd, a miscut. Like it's very consistent play from a six, seven price player. Um, I'm, I'm peppering her a little bit too. Um, and one, me, or I, I want to know, can you pronounce Bianca's last name? There is no chance. Yeah, um, I got. I, I gotta find. I, I gotta got look at it. It's like Pagdanagan, or yeah. Something. She was on no laying up. I know during the U.S. Open week, and and they could barely pronounce it. So, um, yeah. but interesting thing about her, and actually another um, sixty. Uh, let's see, what sixty five hundred. So what is it? Sixty six hundred and sixty or sixty eight hundred for Bianca. 6,500. Oh, wait, no, it is 6,100 for Linnea Strom. Both of them won LPGAQ school at Mission Hills here. So, um, you know, Bianca hasn't played it since. Bianca is incredibly long. So, if we're targeting, you know, somewhat of those, you know, bombers, I think Bianca makes a lot of sense uh, for me in 6,800. I'm into that. Okay. Yeah. Some of these names are just. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll do this show as long as people want to listen to it and I'll never be able to get these names right until they, they come on TV, you know, more frequently. The worst um, too, is like every sports book, every, uh, salary, everything is like a different spelling or they throw a middle name or they have the Enya or whatever it may be. I swear the ladies names are just so across the board that it's hard to like V look up or match index and do all these things and try to get it right. Yeah, where where's Dustin Johnson and Patrick Reed? <laughs> where give me some of these names? Um, yeah, but I got two, so I'm gonna drop two bombs here. Although you went down, you went down to six five, I guess. So I got a player at six three and a player at six flat that I'm playing very frequently because it's allowing me to get two 10k players, which I really like. Um, I like Jing Jing Yan at $6,300. Um, she's just one of those players that it's recent. Uh, her long-term form is probably reflective of why she's priced right here, but her last two events, 28th and 12th. Um, and she's another one of those players that over the last three events, which includes a missed cut, she's one of those players that's better than tour average in the five major stats that LPGA provides us, um, which take that for, you know, what you want that, doesn't necessarily mean anything if you're not getting the ball in the hole, but to be priced at 6,300 and you know, you're better than tour average in putting with your irons, with your driver, that, that's just something that stands out to me. And, and the results have shown in the past two tournaments. Um, so she's coming in with, you know, a little bit of hot form and at 6,000, even Jay Marie green is another one of those players. She missed a cut last week. Didn't look very good. However, she came in eighth at the drive-on and 32nd at the at um, Gamebridge. It's just, you know, it's one of those flyers. It's There's nothing really beyond that. The fact that she has, you know, two solid finishes, one really good finish and a solid finish, and your price at six flat, you're going to give me the opportunity to get uh, Jin Young-Ko and Lexi Thompson or, you know, something in that nature. 
like I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm not playing it in every lineup. Obviously I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to live or die by a $6,000 player, but if I'm making 20 lineups, you'll probably be in four of them. Yeah. I mean, you catch lightning in a bottle and that, that makes sense to, uh, you know, keep a little bit of that form going. Um, if I look into anyone else, I think one that makes sense that, um, I think potentially is the youngest player in this field. Um, young Japanese star who's shown out well on the Japanese golf tour um, is Yuka Sasso. Um, 19 years old, uh, 6,500. Um, I played a good amount of her in the um, in the U.S. Open and was really kind of in the thick of things through 36 holes, managed to make the cut and kind of be mediocre on the weekend. But Sasso, really, really talented from, from what the kind of the rumors are of her game. Uh, I think they were comparing her swing to like Rory's during um, the early coverage of it because she was in it a little bit. Um, I think Sasso um, at 6,500 would be somebody I'm decently exposed to. Okay. That's interesting. That was the person that I really didn't have any information on. Um it looked like LPGA tour wise, she'd only played three times in the past 12 yep. months. So yep. like, like you said, it's it looking like, especially with the LPGA, you really have to look at what some of these Korean, Japanese, you know, the Asian descent players that come over here generally can come over here and succeed very quickly uh, because we obviously know what kind of talent they bring. And those tours over there are probably pretty damn competitive. That's that's the big key to me is like, you know, the Asian tour, the, you know, the Sunshine Tour, the PGA Tour of Australasia, like these golfers are, you know, a long journey away from making it to the PGA Tour where you tee it up on the Korean LPGA and you could be facing, you know, multiple ladies in the top 20 of the world, you know, yeah. like that's that's where a huge difference is for where these girls cut their teeth on. Um, so yeah, I definitely think, you know, looking into once we get to the bigger majors to not bigger majors, the more international based majors, this one's very still heavy LPGA mm -hmm. when you get in back to the U S open, the British open, like looking at the KLPGA, looking at the, the ladies European tour, looking at the Japanese LPGA, like those, you find a lot of gems like a Kim, you know, for, for the, those type of events and they can win. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely something you need to pay much more attention to with the LPGA than with, you know, some of the other tours. Yep. Um, anything else before we sign off? No, man. I, I Again, like I said, I appreciate what you're doing and having me on. Um, I hope we can run it back for another big LPGA event together um, and kind of keep this. This is, you know, a great part about growing the DFS game and for people that, that really love the niche sports of it all. And so, Good on you for, for really, you know, taking advantage of the opportunity and, and keep doing what you're doing, man. Well, I appreciate that. And thank you for coming on. It, it was nice to have have somebody else to bounce some ideas off of rather than just talking by myself for 45 minutes. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Now let's uh, win some money for it. All right. where, where can people find you if they want to find you? Yep. So you can find me on Twitter at SkyHookDFS. And then my work uh, is up on FTN Daily and FTNBets.com. Uh, but, yeah, just shoot me a follow on Twitter and um, uh, just feel free to interact. Any questions, happy to, to answer for the big LPGA Major Week. All right. Well, I appreciate it, Skyler. Thanks for coming on. I had a blast. 
and like you said let's go win some money and we'll get you on again hopefully one day but for now we'll talk next time thanks everybody